I don't know about you, but since our time of prayer, I have been thinking about the Bahamas. Um, just feels like a good place to go and minister right now. Past couple of weeks, we have been in the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4 today, um, so you can get your Bibles and get those ready as, as um, we're getting set here. Um, but the this week and last week are passages that as I was considering them and as I was looking at them, I thought, ooh, these could go over like a lead balloon. They, they're really not passages that, that preach well, particularly in a Presbyterian context because they have to do a lot with the Holy Spirit. It looks a lot directly at the church and uh, levels some, uh, Jesus levels some thoughts directly at the church that, that get uncomfortable. Um, and so, uh, it was difficult, in a sense, putting these sermons together because I thought, well, how direct do we go? How, how much do we explore this? And, and so, please make sure that you understand that, that um, as we read Mark, that Jesus is going to make us uncomfortable, but He makes us uncomfortable in the hopes of making us grow. Uh, and so, as Pastor Dina was talking with the kids, growth is the key word here, and think about that word as we read Mark 4. It's going to be 1 through 34, and I invite you to follow along with me. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the, out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like uh, the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this light, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times what was sown. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? 
For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more so, whoever has will be given more. Whoever doesn't have, even what they have will be taken from them. So he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel on, in the head. As soon as the, gra- the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again he said, what shall we, uh, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He didn't say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. This is God's word to us today. Let's pray. Lord, we come again to your word, to a fairly large chunk of your word, and so we ask for your help during this time to understand what it is that you're saying. Help us to understand how you are going to grow your kingdom through us and in cooperation with us. Help us to see our part and to be comfortable with you and yours. During this time, strengthen my words, for mine are empty, just a, a vapor in the world, word, vapor in the wind. But you, O God, hold the very words of eternal life. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. This is a large chunk of Scripture, and I said to focus on the word growth, because as we talk about uh, growth, as we talk about expanding the, the kingdom of God, expanding the community of God, uh, we may come up with the question that how does the community of God grow? How does, how does the kingdom grow in our midst? Because one of the things that we know and one of the things that we're very clear about is that salvation is not a work of our own. When we come to, uh, when we come to the Word, when we come to Jesus, we understand that He has saved us first and foremost. That we don't contribute to that. If, if we were able to do it on our own, we would have done that. And, and for those of us who sat through the, the first half of the narrative lectionary where we sat through the Old Testament, we thought, sat through stories again and again and again of how we weren't able to do it on our own. And so the question becomes, all right, if salvation is a work of God's and, and, and I don't contribute to it, but I, I respond to it, how is it that the kingdom of God actually grows. And that's what this section is about. So as we, as we look at this, it answers the question, how does it grow? It grows through a human cooperation with God. It, it grows through a human divine cooperation. 
And we see how this works. There's going to be parts that we contribute to the, the expansion of the kingdom of God, but, but ultimately the growth will be somewhat mysterious, like a, a seed growing, as, as uh, Pastor Dina showed and as Jesus shows in this text. And what Jesus makes clear to us is that the expansion of the kingdom will still be mysterious at the end of the day. Now, that, like I said, that doesn't absolve us of responsibility in the process. Jesus makes it clear as well that, that it's the responsibility of every believer uh, to, uh, to share the Word of God, to share the good news of Jesus. And he doesn't qualify it. He doesn't say, go through this parable, and he says, I'm going to talk about the growth of the kingdom of God, and this is going to apply to a few of you. The rest of you can kind of check out for a while. I'll see you at chapter 5. But he, he, this is one of the main teachings, and this is one of the teachings that Mark picks up and, and puts before us as a teaching for all believers, that we are to be a part of sharing the good news of God's redemption. Like I said, we're not going to understand exactly how it works. You know, there is no book that talks about the science and anatomy of conversion. How does, how does the, kingdom, the growth of the kingdom of God in our midst? It, it's not that easy. But here's the thing. Some of us are people that want to know how things work before we use it. Some of you are, are, I know, have read the owner's manual to your car before you put it into drive the first time. I'm not that guy. I see the D and I just go for it. But we, there are things that we want to know how it works. Now, I may pull my car right into drive as soon as I get it, but I'll tell you what, I get a, a new saw and I'm like, all right, I'm going to look at this manual because I know this thing can kill me. We pick and we choose, but we, we like to know how things work before we use them. But Jesus says we're not going to get that necessarily when, we, when it comes to the expansion of the kingdom and when it comes to sharing our faith and who does and who doesn't come to faith as a result of our testimony. And we need to not get hung up onto that. You know, we don't ask the question how the internet works anytime we want to check our email, do we? Well, we might ask why it doesn't work, but we don't ask why, how it does work. You know, we don't ask how, how the internet works or how the TV waves work when we, when we turn on our TVs or when we go to watch Netflix for the thousandth time or when we look at a TikTok reel. We don't ask those questions. We just go and do it. And so Jesus says, just as, as we would go and do these things without questioning, well, how does it work? We want to go and we want to share the Word of God without actually asking, now, how does this work? You know, what, what uh, I need to know everything before I go out and I do this. Because we can. We get hung up on, on the how of it, and it stops us from actually sharing our faith. But Jesus makes it clear that we're to be sharing good news. Let me put it to you this way. If the Steelers win tomorrow, sorry, Kincaids. Uh, if the Steelers win tomorrow, let me ask you this. 
how many posts do you think there will be on social media reporting that the Steelers won? And it, none from there. But how many of you have, have posted already about the game? Anyone? All right. How many, okay, so a few. We've got to wake up. It's the snow. It's keeping us down. Uh, yeah, and, and Rick's here with a jersey already. So, uh, But, uh, you know, we share good news. We share good news. We're, we're happy when we're excited about something. And I'm glad Andrea is representing as well. She's, she's got her Bill's shirt on. Uh, and it shows the wide berth of the grace of God in our midst. But we share good news. We don't think, well, our sports preference is a private matter, and you have your sports preferences, I have mine, we're not going to talk about it. We share good news when it happens. We share good news when it's important to us. We share good news indiscriminately as well. I'm going to say something that you're going to think is borderline uh, offensive if you haven't thought something it was already there by what I've said this morning. But l- let me ask you this. How many photos of grandchildren and great-grandchildren do you think that I have seen since I've become a pastor? <laughs> Far more than before I became a pastor, let me tell you that. I have seen so many photos, but the sad truth, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I enjoy sharing in people's joy, but the sad truth is that I usually have to drag people's faith stories out of them. People will come up with photos uh, of other things, but when it comes to telling their own faith story, when it comes to how they came to faith in Jesus Christ, when it comes to the difference that Jesus Christ has made in their life, it is, it, it's hard. It's, it's, you have to drag it out of people. But here's the thing. Jesus is making it clear that we are to be sharing our stories of good news. And I want to go for a minute to the book of Revelation. And I want to go to Revelation 12, 10, and 11. Because John is reporting on on the end times, John is reporting on what things are going to be like when Christ comes in his glory. And, and the accuser, Satan, has just been thrown down. And John reports this, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of, their, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They didn't love their lives so much as to shrink from death. As, as we look at this passage, Jesus is talking about sharing the good news, the gospel, the, the, the news uh, that God has come to restore our relationship, the news that, he, that Jesus has come in order to give us life and to give us redemption and to give us a restored relationship with God, that we are to be sharing that. And he shows us how that happens. And, and he says, then, he says, if we're 
confused why he goes from this agricultural seed metaphor, and then he says, do you bring a lamp under its, uh, in and put it under a bowl or a bed? He's talking about growth, and that when we have this good news, he says, do you bring a lamp and put it under a bowl? No. Don't you put it on a stand? Don't you want it to give light wherever it goes? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. What Jesus is saying throughout this passage in different ways is don't hide the gospel story in your life. We can talk about the theology. We can talk about uh, the, the, what the Scriptures say, but he's also saying don't hide the gospel story that is in your life. We oftentimes do that, and, and I shared with the Sunday school class this morning that often, too many times I have gotten to the situation where I'm doing a funeral, and I sit down with the family, and I talk to them about their loved one, and they're, they're, it's hard to share stories, but then I you know, what was, your, what was your parents' faith like? What was your brother's faith like? What was your sister's faith like? And, and, and they said, well, I, I know they had a faith, sort of. Well, did they have any favorite Bible verses? Did they share anything like that with you? No, not really. And then I shared that, particularly with the older generations, 80s and 90-year-olds, and I, said, and I would ask their children, what was their favorite hymn? And, and for a generation that, that very, very much loved the hymns and has a great uh, cherishing of the hymns of the church, too often their children say, I don't know, Amazing Grace? We've hidden the gospel story in our lives. What has God done for you? How has a relationship with Jesus Christ made a difference in your life? Has it? This is the homework, the spiritual homework for you for this week. What's the good news that only you can tell? We can say that Jesus died, but we can't, we can say that collectively, but each of us has a story, a sermon, a, a, a testimony of what Jesus has done in our life to make a difference. And testimony is a recounting of events. Let's remember that. If we're in a court of law, testimony is, is just the facts. Don't embellish but tell what Jesus has done. What's the good news that only you can tell? Tell that story. It can be a bullet point list. It can be a narrative. Some of you are going to be stream of consciousness no matter what you try. But what is the story that only you can tell? You know, I was unaware of how selfish I was. In college, Katie knew it. She knew it when we were dating. She knew far earlier than I did. But it was through the power of Jesus that I became, and uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit that I became aware of who Jesus was in 2005 and what it could mean to more and more give my life over to Him. You know, see, I experienced a lot of loss early in my life. And I didn't realize it, but I was scared of losing more and more, and so I wanted to control more and more. 
what I found was the more I tried to hold on to this life, the more I tried to manage it, the more I tried to, the more I tried to make it the way I want it, the more that I lost. And interestingly, the emptier it became. But what I found in, those, in, in that summer of 2005, as, as my pastor mentored me, as, as I became more aware of the power of Jesus Christ, is that the more I turned over to Him, the more I turned over my, de- my desires, the more I turned over my hopes, the more I turned over my fears, the more I turned over my control, interestingly, the more joy and contentment I found in my soul. I didn't come into ministry because the pay was good and the hours were good. I came into ministry because of, an, because of an irresistible hold that Jesus Christ put on my life. Now, I can't tell you the mechanics of that transformation. We could spiritualize it and say it's the Holy Spirit. Duh, it's the Holy Spirit. But the mechanics of it, the, the, the exactly how and what, what buttons the Holy Spirit pushed, I can't tell you. But what I can tell you is that that brief snippet, snippet is more powerful than any of the theology textbooks that are sitting in my office. And I can also tell you that, that of everything I've said this morning, that bit was the only bit that was the sermon that only I could preach. God wants to partner with you in expanding Christ's community. He wants to partner with you to bring about deep transformation, transformation that I know He can bring and healing that I know He can bring, and to tell a gospel story that is uniquely yours. That is what chapter 4 is all about. It's about growth. It's about how we share our story and what happens when we share our story. Sometimes that's going to fall on deaf ears, and sometimes that is going to produce a crop that we don't understand how it grows. But we are to tell it. We don't light the fire and put it under a bowl. We don't hide it under a mattress. Please don't do that. You know those things are flammable. But we tell the story. And though it seems small and insignificant to us, like a mustard seed, which is tiny, it grows and it becomes something that we never could have imagined. And, and a mustard seed, by the way, mustard, if you don't know, is a, is a plant that grows invasively. It is a plant that once it gets going, you can't stop it. And what a farmer would have to do if mustard got into its field is that farmer would have to burn the whole field, level it all, burn it down. And that's what the kingdom of God is like. Even though it seems small and insignificant to us, it becomes something far greater than we ever could have imagined, giving life and giving its own ecosystem to the world. Well, how do we do this? Well, we do it through generous, faithful sowing, just like the farmer in the story. You know, the farmer in the story, you notice the farmer isn't terribly concerned about where the paths are and where the weeds are and where the rocks are and so on. The, the farmer goes out and sows the seed. 
farmer doesn't do a, a, an analysis beforehand, the farmer doesn't get a, a topographical map and figures out what the, the, the land looks like, but the farmer sows faithfully. And that's what we're called to do, to sow faithfully. Who do I tell my story to? Well, tell it, in, and we have this, uh, you can have this question, well, do I tell it to Christians? Do I tell it to non-Christians? Tell it to everyone, regardless of what they do with it, and tell it to people within the church, especially first, and tell it to people that you encounter. The farmer sows on all different types of soils. And, and we overcome, as Revelation says, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. The church is strengthened any time we hear the testimony of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Our tradition has not been the greatest at telling those stories. And that's one way that we have been silenced and the kingdom has stopped growing. Well, when do I tell it? Well, the, this is where we can start to use a little bit of good judgment and a little bit of go, good knowledge. You know, the farmer is sensitive to the se- seasons. The farm, it doesn't say that, and a, uh, it doesn't say in the scripture that that the farmer went out during the snowstorm and started to, uh, to sow seed. But the farmer knew the season, and, and it was the planting season, and goes out and sows seed indiscriminately. How do we learn when those seasons are? Well. We can learn that a couple of ways, either through trial and error or learning from others, the same way we learn anything else in life. In trial and error, one of the things that the church has to become comfortable with, we as Christians have to become comfortable with, is we have to become comfortable with error. We have to become comfortable with failure. I cannot tell you the number of committees I have sat in, and I'm not, this is the great part about still being relatively new, I'm still talking from prior experience, so you can feel the deflection right now. But the number of committee meetings that I have sat in with church people where, where we say, well, we could try this, but what if this goes wrong, and what if that goes wrong, and what if that goes wrong? What if, what if this, ha- interestingly, no one has ever said, what if there's a global pandemic? I would have thought of that in a church committee. But we come up with reasons and we're scared to try, and, and usually what comes out is a very, very timid attempt. I'm reminded of, of uh, the story of Martin Luther. Luther was, was, um, had a protege, Philip Melanchthon. And uh, Melanchthon was kind of that typical church, what if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? And what if I commit a sin in this way? What if I commit a sin in that way? Finally, Martin Luther got so irritated at Philip Melanchthon. Uh, the one day, Melanchthon said, what about? And Luther said, Melanchthon, sin boldly. And at some point, we have to not be worried and we have to sin boldly. Say, all right, well, that, that one didn't work. And to not be scared that we are failing Jesus. We are not failing Jesus, except when we don't even try. Because Jesus is ta- able to take our, our broken, beat-up, small attempts and turn them into something for His glory. He has never failed us. And that's the important part of the story. Not whether we're failing, but that He has never failed us.
So we can do it by trial and error, or we can do it by learning from others. Who has experience in sharing their faith? Who has learned to overcome the, the, the what-ifs in their knowledge? Who has, who has learned the winsomeness of sharing faith? Learn from those people. Learn how easy it becomes. So it's not a, a forced thing. And then practice with one another. Practice with kids, practice with brothers and sisters, with those who know us best, so that we don't get to the end of our lives and they say, you know, they never really talked about it. One final story here as we think about sharing our stories, sharing the good news of what God has done in our lives. Um, when you go to the gym, do you expect a six-pack the first time you go to the gym? If you do, you're probably like me at one point. <laughs> like, I went to the gym yesterday. Why haven't I lost 15 pounds? No, we expect that exercise takes time. We expect that exercise takes repetition. We expect, expect that re exercise takes practice. When we moved here, I had been in the habit uh, somewhat of going to the gym uh, back in Rock Island, but not very faithfully. And so uh, when we got here, I, we got our membership to the Swickley Valley Y, and I started out. And I can tell you that when I started out, uh, you know, just one machine, I'll talk about the crunches, uh, that those, you know, uh, there's nothing that, that, crunches are only mentioned after the fall of man. I just want to point that out. But... When I started on that machine, I re remember looking at 30 pounds and thinking, oh, that's depressing. But yesterday, Ian and I were there, and, and he looked at me and he said, 125. I said, yeah, takes time. But little by little, you get results. And that's the thing. We, we have too much of a one-and-done attitude when it comes to the practice of sharing our faith. And we, remember, we need to remember that it is a practice. It's a skill that we build. It's a skill that, that we need to use, otherwise we do lose, both individually and collectively as the church. And so we want to exercise it. We want to, to start telling our story and understand it's not going to be the same as the first time you told it, as the hundredth time you've told it, as the thousandth time you've told it. Because we will begin to see the work of God more and more in our lives. But it comes through seeing that and by partnering with God. How does the kingdom of God grow? It is through, it, it grows when we cooperate with God's plans. So let me encourage you this week to cooperate, to start telling that story, to start writing that out for yourself, and to start practicing it so that we can overcome just as John foretells we will by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks because you have incorporated us into your plans. You could do all this by yourself, but you have involved us. You have included us. You have shown us once again that, you, that we have worth and purpose to you. And so, Lord, help us not to take that for granted. 
Help us to see that as a great and a wonderful gift and a privilege to be a part of, not an obligation or a drudgery to be avoided. But Lord, give us joy in telling the story of what you have done for us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.